friends, and thanks for listening to the Capital City Soccer Show, your independent source for everything Austin FC. My name is Landon Cottom, and I am joined as always by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. Uh, so last episode, we told you we were going to have an interview with Weston Applefeller. Uh, that is not the case for reasons that we'll discuss later and that are now apparent to us. Uh, but we still have a lot to talk about and also means you're going to have uh, back-to-back episodes. So we're going to do an episode this week and then another episode next week, which leads me to our next topic is we want to know what you guys want from the show. Like, do you want it every week? Do you like what you're hearing on the show? So we're actually going to put out a little survey. You can find that in the show notes. We'll also be posting it in in several places. So um, yeah, please take that survey. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you want to hear on the show. We want to make the show that that you guys want to hear. We don't. We do do this for our for our own reasons, but we also want you to enjoy listening to it. So please tell us what you want to hear. And and I would really like to hear from you if you don't enjoy listening to the show, but you still do listen to it. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, what, what are you doing to yourself? What's wrong with you? And you know, how can we make your day better if you're going to force yourself to check the show out? Yeah. So we we want to hear what you like and also what you don't like, but. Please be nice. Like we want constructive criticism, but don't just be straight up mean to us because I don't know if I can handle that right now. Um, <laughs> we're real people with real feelings. Um, <laughs> and we've been doing this a little while, but we're pretty sensitive and we love every download and listen. But yes, please, if you're going to have feedback, make it constructive. Also, Liverpool got beat really bad today. So Jeremiah is extra sensitive. <laughs> I'm feeling very fragile as a Liverpool, Texas Longhorn and Dallas Cowboys fan over this weekend. Like, it has been a really, really bad weekend for football, no matter how you pronounce it. So, yes, <laughs> make the survey's information nice. Let's talk about some soccer results that went a little bit better. Uh, so, Austin FC players playing in Copa Libertadores last week. Cecilia Dominguez and Rodney Redis were both playing for Guarani. They beat Tigre 3-1. to one. So Rodney Redis ended up with two assists. Dominguez came on in the 66th minute, ended up scoring a goal in the 86th minute. It was a pretty nice goal as well. Jeremiah, did you get a chance to watch this one? I did not watch the whole match. I just saw the video highlights of it. So I, okay. I saw both their performances. And Cecilio's goal was was pretty amazing. I mean, I saw that all, all over good. Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, I went back and watched the essentially like all of his involvements in the game. And he wasn't super sharp to start with. And throughout the game, like uh, a few heavy touches here and there that led to turnovers. But it, whenever it counted, he he turned it on and, and was a really nice goal. So there's a ball chipped over the top. Uh, the goalkeeper came off the line to try to, to, try to get the ball. Uh, Cecilio takes a touch around him to get to the inline and then cut it back towards the penalty spot and went by another defender and then hit it with his left foot uh, past the defender who was waiting on the goal line. So it was a pretty impressive looking goal. Um, and like I said, Rodney got two assists. Um, one of them was just kind of hit into the box and a giant center back got it on his head. And then, but the second one I think was a, a pretty intentional one. Uh, Florentine number seven, I think is his name. Um, started kind of towards the top of the top of the box and then made a run kind of towards the near post towards Rodney and Rodney put it right on his head and 
the the guy got his head on it and, and put it into the far post. So that, that one was really nice. And I think was pretty intentional. Um, and then Rodney also almost scored a goal in the 88th minute, put it off the, off the left post and just kind of kissed it off the, the edge of the post there, but overall quite good. Um, they'll be playing the last group match against Bolivar in La Paz on October 21st. The most likely scenario right now is them finishing second in the group and advancing to the knockout stage. There's a slim chance of them actually winning the group. Um, It doesn't look like that's very likely due to who Palmeiras is playing. But um, yeah, that's so we're going to get to see Rodney and Cecilio play in some knockout round soccer in Copa Libertadores. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, and I think reflecting on sort of our, our last show, I know one of the well, one of the things that we were hoping to see was that Cecilio and Rodney would be on the field at the same time, and and that happened. Um, yeah, that's time for the first match. Now, I know also you said Rodney was pretty. I'll go with sluggish. You might have said lazy, but maybe, but you know, we'll just say that he was sluggish last time out. And I don't. So, I, I mean, wouldn't say lazy. I just think he <laughs> didn't look very good. Okay, okay, with that. So, but obviously his work rate was. I mean, or maybe not his work rate, but he obviously made a way bigger difference this time. Could you tell? Uh, sort of the difference in his in his in his play. Yeah, I think I think this game was. Um, I, I think on the last episode I mentioned that he didn't look he didn't look very good, but it was kind of uncharacteristic for him. I think this this game was pretty representative of what I've seen from him so far since since the restart. Uh, he wasn't super influential in the game, but was was useful. Uh, tracked back, did, did some really good defensive work, some good link up play. Um, I th- I still think there's something like he needs to kind of turn a corner for me to really be impressed with him. And I, I think playing style could could affect that some. But again, he is he's still young and and has some some growing and some learning to do. So hopefully, um, Josh Wolf will be able to do that for him. But uh, yeah, from what we've seen from Dominguez so far, e- even though it has come in flashes, kind of, he hasn't played in a while. So I- I'm, I am more and more optimistic as, as we see more from him as to what he's going to be able to do in MLS. Let's move on to talk about some other Austin FC players. So the Austin FC Academy teams went to Houston two weekends in a row. Uh, I, th- I believe, did we, did we talk about the last trip on the last show? We did talk about the last trip of the last show. Okay. So, yeah, they ended up going to Houston again to play Dynamo Unidos, which is, uh, I, I think it's like an affiliate team of the Houston Dynamo Academy. But uh, all three teams won again. U15s won 3 1, U14s won 2 1, U13s won 4 0. Um, they were supposed to go to Dallas to play solar sc this weekend but i think those are all postponed uh, so we'll see when those get get rescheduled i did see some interviews with uh tyson i, I believe it was in um phil west's article and then i heard another interview elsewhere and he mentioned this in both places where he's saying that the travel has really helped the team chemistry and that um uh, that yeah that you can really tell they're starting to kind of gel as a team and jeremiah you played high school sports right yeah so yeah, he's, he talks about like on the bus rides, like playing games together and just like how, like you remember how much fun road trips were whenever you were that age. So yeah, I, I can really see how that works. Yeah, it totally makes sense. I mean, for me, that was, well, we weren't very good, especially at football. So the bus ride was actually the best part of the, uh, <laughs> the entire experience. Usually the bus ride there, the bus ride home was never good because we were usually, you know, four or five touchdowns in defeat, but 
yeah, the bus the bus ride up was all was always neat. Um, you know, one of the one of the things that I've really enjoyed that that I, I think is really cool is just the the coverage. So we had the uh, on the academy Twitter page they they had a video like a video preview of the match or I guess of the matches against Houston, you know, and then just having somebody like Phil West writing articles about the results um, for the official club website is so different than it was last year. And it's just, it's, it makes it a lot easier to get into and follow these players. Um, And then it's also, it's just a nice touch in terms of really making uh, the club, you know, official and a part of the community and a part of the soccer community to have all this coverage that we didn't have last year. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's really cool, and it's gonna be it's gonna be cool to see these some of these kids kind of turn into stars. And like they're they're like we said, we've we've talked about this a lot over the last year. But these are the first players wearing the Austin FC badge on a field. So there's I don't know if they feel it, but there there might be a little bit of pressure on them. And and Tyson talks about this a lot is kind of balancing development versus results. And I think in the, especially U13s, U14s, they're going to really focus on the development aspect and aren't maybe go, maybe aren't going to, to stress the results so much. They want to win, but if they have a choice of doing something that would help them win versus helping develop these players better, they're going to choose the development side of it. Whereas U15s and U17s is where he says that's when the compet like the competition starts then like we're going to try to win those games and that's that's really the age when you can start putting pressure on them and start really making it like okay if you if you want to be a professional player this is when it, you make it happen it doesn't happen when you're 20 years old it's too late by then so like the U15 level is where that starts and so i i wanted to talk about the U15's results so far so i looked up um kind of rankings on uh top drawer soccer, which is the top youth soccer publication in the country. Granted, these are rankings from March, 2020 of teams that maybe these people haven't even seen play, but we know who has good academies, right? So, uh, as of March, 20, March, 2020 and the U15 level FC Dallas is ranked fourth. Dallas Texans was ranked 15th. Houston Dynamo is ranked 16th. San Antonio FC is ranked 18th. And then Solar Soccer Clubs, uh, who had, the academies were supposed to play this weekend, are always kind of in, in those top levels as well. So, so far, the Austin FC U15s have beat Houston Dynamo. They've beaten San Antonio FC. So I will be very interested to see when they play FC Dallas and some of the other Dallas teams, how they do against them. Because if, if they're regular regularly beating these these academy teams who are thought of as some of the best in the country then i think that really shows what kind of trajectory this academy system is going to be on yeah and you you saw san antonio fc i mean that that was a huge win right that was a significant win and then houston was uh what was it three once i mean they're not they're beating them sadly too they're not just beating them yeah yeah so it's um again it's, it's a small sample size but it'll it'll be really interesting to see how how they end up going up against these top ranked academy clubs in the country. And so far they've beaten them all. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be keeping an eye on that. And uh, one any, thing, well, one sorry, thing I was going to add in, I was going to add in, you know, just as uh, on the balance thing, I find as fans, if they were losing, I would be talking about how it didn't really matter because this is all <laughs> about development. 
But now that they're winning, right? It's like, oh yeah, we're beating people, and results are all that you know. The score is all that matters. Like I'm an Amer- I'm an American sports fan, and like, who, <laughs> who cares whether the players get better as long as we win? Is that is that how I'm supposed to take it? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Let's move on to some other Austin FC news. So, Jeremiah, Austin FC has released a video of laying down some of the turf. So I think that's probably the reason why Weston wasn't available to do an interview last week. And so I think it's because the grass got delivered from Arizona. So they're starting to lay it down on, I believe the, the video showed it, it's only being laid down on the um, the training facility right now, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. I've only seen it at the training facility. Did you did you watch the video? I watched it twice. I did. That was yeah. really well done. And it was, the music was really good. And I did learn the term seashore pass. Oh man. Seashore paspalum. I paspalum. think is how he said it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which apparently is the first, uh, will be the first club to use it on a soccer pitch, but it'll also be used in in Qatar in 2022. Um, and another thing that I thought was really interesting, like I don't understand why they grew the grass in Arizona, but did you catch that part? Yeah, it's like I looked it up and, and there's just like grass farms there. Um, it's It's sunny all the time. And I think they mentioned this in the video as well. It's like, you know that the sun is shining all the time. And so it's very predictable and you know, the growing pattern that it's going to have there. And so uh, it's if you look up a, a Google Maps view of um, of Scottsdale, Arizona, out like on the eastern side of town, there's this huge area that's all grass farm. And so it's just <laughs> that's where you grow your grass if you need a bunch of grass. So that's why they did it there. <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah, I did see the guy. I don't remember because the, you know, I guess there's a, a turf company, right? That, that all consults with these people that has Lord knows how many different types of grass they have growing out there, but they, they found yeah, exactly what they wanted for the club. Yeah. Going to be shipped all over the country, I imagine too. And so, yeah, you mentioned this type of grass is this is the first place it's being used, but um, we'll, we'll get to talk to Weston about this a lot more on the next episode about why they chose that grass, why it's going to work well here and, and what, what they'll have to do to take care of it. But, um, you mentioned the video work that was done. They've, the club has actually brought on two new employees only doing video work, which I think is something that they needed to do. You could tell before that they'd mostly just were pointing a camera at something and, and doing it, which it they were, they were fine. But the, the stuff that's come out over the last month or two is like really top level video work. And it's, it's been some really cool stuff. So I'm excited to see what else they're able to do. Yeah. I've really enjoyed the way they've, they've been able to tell a story through that. And we'll be, we'll get into the most controversial topic of this whole thing in a little bit. Um, and the video is a part of that, but you know, we've already talked about the grass video was really well done and I think they'll probably do more of those. And then the, the Academy previews, video previews are really well done too. And they've, they've really upped their, their level of storytelling through, through video. Um, and you know, it's, it's a consistent professional message and it's been something that's been really good to see. And it also it makes show prep a lot easier because I can walk around the house and watch video. So I'm glad that they did that <laughs> for us too. Uh, another place they've done upgrades is on the website. So was there anything else about the website that caught your eye, Jeremiah? One thing that's really been interesting is that there's a news page and just the frequency of the news. Cause if you remember before, the only time we would get news is when they would put a press release out and that release would show up on the site. But, you know, there's stories, stories about the Copa Libra Tadorius game. There's the videos, you know, all the announcement, just the, just the, the quantity of the content, um, the availability of it has been 
um, impressive. And so it's good to see ramping that up as we get toward the season. There's also a section about the 4ATX Foundation, which has kind of gotten gone through some some changes, some positive changes recently. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, the 4ATX Foundation, originally it was um, Upper 90, right? They brought on Caitlin, they brought in the programming, and it was really just them running that programming. But um, in addition to that, they're also going to do funding around community issues um, and support a variety of items. And so they sort of produced their first set of community pillars that they put on the website and, and put out, along with them launching the uh, Twitter account for the foundation, and they have three main areas they're working in. Uh, one is inclusivity through equity. Uh, the second one is vibrancy through sustainability. And then the third is confidence for creativity. And I think th- those all make sense for a soccer team and they make sense for Austin. Um, and I think it really shows that they've, you know, they've took some time to plug into like what this community is all about uh, and develop philanthropic pillars that really reflect uh, that vision and sort of reflect what, what Austin's about. Yeah, I remember when we had Caitlin on the show, she said that they were still working on kind of their mission statement and what what the the organization was going to be all about. And I, I think this is what that is. So it's really cool to see the progress that they're making. Uh, they've also kind of rebranded the upper 90 portion of it as well. So can you, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, they took that and they've, they've rebranded that as Verde Leaders, uh, which fits with everything that's going on around um, you know, the club and the, and how the club's using that, that term so much. And they've also put out some content too on the 4ATX Foundation Twitter page that really talks about that program, um, talks about social, social emotional learning and sort of what that leadership means, which is, is good to see because it's more digestible than just, just the, the concept, but that's been good to see too. And, and another thing they did, they did, that they put out on October 1st, I think is if you remember back, um, I think it was back when we talked to Caitlin before it was right when all the, the um, like right when the George Floyd thing happened and there was all this uproar and yeah, that's right. she talked about, she talked about their commitment to uh, equity and they, um, you know, they made that statement, I think back mid June um, about that. And then just recently on October 1st, um, they put a statement out uh, on their website and then on all their social media platforms um, about their commitment to racial equity and they were looking for input from the community. So I thought it was good that they, you know, they didn't just make that statement once, but they kept talking about it and, and kept emphasizing that. And so they're still um, collecting feedback on their social media platforms about what's important in terms of anti-racism work and what's important in terms of social justice. Yeah, so if any of you listening here have have some thoughts on things that they can do or want to give some feedback, then, then check out that post and, and let the club know what you're thinking. All right, let's move on to the the most controversial topic of the show, as Jeremiah, Jeremiah foreshadowed earlier. So Austin FC named their official domestic beer partner as Michelob Ultra. So Jeremiah, what was your, uh, your, your gut reaction when you saw that? Well, I love how that you wrote in the show notes, do we revolt, question mark. <laughs> I thought that was a really good... I'm, you know... Am I surprised? Not not at all. I mean, you have to have a giant macro beer as your official domestic beer partner. You know, as much as we and the people that we talk to who are in our bubble like love craft beer, like that's, I mean, giant beer is that way because that's what most people consume. So, I mean, yeah, it's okay. I wasn't, I wasn't super surprised by that. And I guess, I don't know about you, but I would prefer Michelob Ultra over Heineken if choosing my like, 
you know, giant partner beers. I don't know. How do you feel about that? I, I like, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to get that anyway. So like, I'm not buying it. I don't care what it is. Um, I, with your first, your first statement though, I completely agree. I feel like there are like, we do kind of live in a, a beer snob bubble, which we'll talk more about here in a second. But, um, I think there's a lot of people that were like actually really upset about this and, like I don't know what they expected. Like the like electric jellyfish from Austin from Pineapple's Pizza is not going to be the official beer of Austin FC. Like it's just not. Like it's beer money makes the sports world go go around, right? Like they pay the bills. They they keep the lights on, and so it was always going to be like one of these these huge macro breweries sponsoring the team. So yeah, again, it's, it's just part of, part of being a, a big professional sports team. So Troy did note in a recent capital city soccer article that it is specified as the domestic beer partner, which leaves possibilities for partnerships with local craft or maybe international beer. I don't know what that would be, but hopefully the answer is partnerships with some, some local craft breweries. Um, so digging into what this partnership actually means, so Brown Distributing, which is the like the big di- uh, alcohol distributor in the Austin area, is going to be the distributor as part of this this partnership with Anheuser Busch. And so I dug into what breweries they actually carry, like what are the brands that that Brown actually carries. And there are some local craft breweries on this list. So I decided to post a link to that list on Twitter and do another one of my super scientific Twitter polls. And I asked Austin FC fans, if looking at this list, if those were the only beers available, would you be okay with that? And so we'll talk about some of those those breweries here in a second. But whenever you saw the poll go up, Jeremiah, what did you expect the results to look like. Can you remind me of what the options were? Because oh, they yeah. were just yes so or no. It was essentially yes or no. It was like, yes, this list this list looks good. No way more local craft. So I answered no way more local craft. And I expected 75% of people to answer that also too. But when I filled it out, it was pretty close. I don't know what the final results were, but what were they landed? So the final results were 43% said yes, this looks good. And 57% said, no, we want more local craft beer, uh, which is much closer than I expected it to be initially. For a long time yesterday, it was 50-50, like dead even. Um, and I, I showed this list to my wife and I showed her the breweries. And I kind of, ex- again, Jeremiah and I are kind of beer snobs and we'll own that. And, uh, I, I showed this list to my wife and she kind of put me in my place and I showed her the list of beers. And so let me read the, the list of local craft breweries that are actually distributed by Brown and could potentially be available at the stadium. So Altstadt Brewing, Austin East Ciders, Celis Brewing, High Sign Brewing, Independence Brewing, Pint House Pizza, Twisted X Brewing, Whitestone Brewing, and then Mighty Swell Spiked Seltzer. Spiked Seltzer is available. I showed this to my wife, and she was like, "Landon, that's pretty good. Like, if you could get those at like at a professional sports game, then you're doing pretty good for yourself." And it like kind of made me take a step back and be like, 
She's right, actually. Like most most professional sports games you go to, like it's gonna be Miller, Bud, Michelob, whatever, like something like that. And then maybe here in Austin, like you'll get like Carbach as the craft quote right. unquote craft right. beer, which is owned by Anheuser Busch and distributed by Anheuser Busch and is not really craft beer, but it gets passed off as craft beer at a lot of big venues here in Austin. So if we could get even a handful of those those breweries that I just listed actually available in the stadium, then that would be it's a pretty good spread. Are there breweries I would like to see instead of some of these or breweries I think are better than these? Absolutely. Yeah, that's 100%. But um if we could see Pint House Pizza beer on draft in McCalla Place, that would be great, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that would, that would be really good. I think there was two specific brands that I was that fall outside of that that I really, really want to see. And I think maybe they're the same ones. I believe you asked this in Slack, and I think Derek gave the same answers. Like any list that doesn't include Austin Beer Works, I'm going to feel is incomplete. And a little bit the same way um, about about Live Oak. And I feel like they've got fairly broad distribution, you know, generally throughout the city. But to your point, that's a, that's a pretty decent selection. Uh, if everything if everything distributed by Brown or some subset of those end up at the stadium, it'll it'll probably be okay. But I I do think it's important that, that we as the fans keep, um, I don't know. I don't know if it's pressure. Like, I don't, I don't know if like getting excited about craft brew is something that like (laughs) is applying fan pressure, but like keep talking about it and keep expressing our preferences. Uh, and one of the things that I did was I went and looked, um, I think we talked before about Levy being the uh, concession, like the concession manager. Um, so I went and looked around at like other other places that that Levy did and found a really good article uh, about um, what they had done at Wrigley Field. And like Wrigley Field over the last few years has gone to like a really broad selection of craft beer. And so that we know that Levy can do that if the owners of the team that they're supporting are really pushing for that. So I think that's where Hey, Austin FC people, if you're listening, you know, we, we, we love our craft beer, so let's get as much of it as possible. Yeah. Uh, Brian Mangum pointed this out and he said that it's, it's actually a licensing violation to have an exclusive distribution arrangement. And so it's actually a, against their licensing rules to only offer these beers. But he also said that companies like Brown and Levy do that all the time and then just pay the fines. And so um, you can find venues that are operated by Brown and Levy who are probably only have macro brews available. So there are places like Wrigley Field, like you mentioned, where there are the best of both worlds. So I really think it's up to up to the the owner of the venue or the manager of the venue. So Austin FC will have a say in these things. It, yeah, that's 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 good. And so let's just keep keep making sure that they know that that those are the things we care about. And one of the other things they did, and we mentioned the video content a little bit earlier, was they launched this partnership with a video uh, featuring the owner of Rustic Tap. And did you watch that? I did, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good, and it was a good place to start because that's really more than any other place. I guess that's kind of the the official bar of Austin FC, right? Yeah, it's where the... Um the official MLS announcement was, and they had the year anniversary. And then, um, there's been some other events there as well. We did the Austin Anthem, uh, South by Southwest. Yeah, the South by Southwest event there as well. Yeah. So there, there is, it is tied up into the lore of Austin FC for sure. 
Yeah, and they've got. I think they they when they did that, they said there would be be at least three of those. But I thought that that was a little bit of a, you know, a neat way to to introduce the partnership um, and really tie tied into Austin was to to feature that venue. So I look forward to seeing uh, other places that they're going to talk about and kind of other venues that help tell the story of the club. All right, let's move on and talk about some MLS news and and what we think the 2021 season is going to look like. So I kind of been operating under the assumption that the 2021 season would be postponed and would start later than than normal. Um, we've talked about this in other shows, but MLS clubs rely on on the gate money and on concessions money to to turn profits. And so if they can push it back a few months and get twice as many people into the stadium at that point, I think they're going to try to do that. But on a recent uh, Sports Business Journal podcast, Andy Lochning was was the guest on one and was talking about this. And he made a point that I hadn't really thought of, which was that it's not going to be entirely up to MLS clubs to, to choose on that. And the, the main point he brought up was, the teams that share venues. And so it's going to be those teams who are playing in NFL stadiums that um, the farther you push the MLS season back, the more overlap there's going to be with the NFL season. And so he, he acted like he was kind of under the assumption that we're going to start pretty close on time. So maybe the, the season would start a little bit late, but um Andy Lockning seems to think it's not going to be too late. Yeah, and he 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 talked about that over and over again. That it, in a perfect world, or if it was just up to him, or I don't remember all the phrases he used exactly, but he, that moving it back would make a lot of sense. But really, when you think about it, with MLS, most most of the matches are on the weekend, and all, obviously, almost all the NFL games are on the weekend. And you know, we've got the good fortune in Austin to have a soccer specific stadium, but there are plenty of very successful franchises, you know, Seattle, for example, is a really good example. Seattle, Atlanta, uh, Nashville, uh, New England. There's probably others that I'm not thinking of, but there are more than a handful of teams who share NFL stadiums. Yeah, and they're, they're never going to be the primary uh, tenant of those buildings. So that really is a complicating factor. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what another good solution is. You know, you can't you don't want to you don't want to make the season any shorter. You know, you don't want to be playing more. I mean, you could always play more games during a week to get it going, but then the quality of play f- suffers. So that is, that was surprising to me too. Cause it's not something I'd really thought about. I just always assumed like, Oh, you know, we'll just start in May or start in June or whatever it is until we'll start when, when we can have full stadiums again, but that apparently is right. not the case. Yeah. So that'll, that'll be something interesting to, to keep our eyes on. Um, another little piece of news that, that came out is actual, Axel Schuster, who is the Vancouver Whitecaps CEO and sporting director, recently said in an interview, uh, was talking about a new roster rule uh, that Paul Paul Tenorio and Sam Stagecoe have lovingly named Young Money. And so Schuster essentially talked about it like this is happening, which before it was kind of a rumor and it was something that was uh, agreed upon in the, the collective bargaining agreement that happened earlier this year. But wasn't it was agreed upon but hadn't been put into place yet and we weren't sure if it actually ever would be but this would essentially be three additional roster spots uh they have to be 22 years old or younger 
it's not an unlimited spend like a designated player would be, but it's going to be a higher salary than your standard player. So uh, it would essentially be six roster spots that you could spend more money on, plus the uh, Jeremiah's favorite topic, TAM, targeted allocation money that you could um, use to go over your your salary budget essentially. So it would it would significantly expand the the amount of spending that teams would be allowed to do. Um, Paul Tenorio on on their on his podcast Allocation Disorder talked about how he wasn't so sure about this rule because he he thought that it would put unnecessary pressure on these young players um, because of essentially by bringing in a young player and saying like you're one of our guys like you're one of the guys it would put undue pressure on them but I kind of disagree with that I I think there there is going to be there is pressure on these designated players um, because it's it's different than other leagues, right? Like in MLS, if you buy a player, like an expensive player, and he doesn't do well, let's take uh, Chicharito, for example. He still hasn't scored a goal, right? I think there's still a good chance he could come come good. But if you take a, take a chance on like a young player um, coming in and you spend a bunch of money on him and he just isn't good, he just isn't good. In MLS, you can't just go buy another player. Like in England, if if you buy a bad player, oh, it didn't work out. Okay, we'll just buy another one. In MLS, the rules don't allow that. So even if you have the money to do it, you can't do it. And so there's a lot of pressure, I think more so on GMs of clubs and sporting directors of clubs to to get it right every time. But um, I, I'm kind of of the opinion, you can tell me what you think about this, Jeremiah. I'm kind of of the opinion by expanding the number of players that are getting paid more, it's kind of spreading that pressure around. And so if there are six players that you're paying a lot of money, there's not as much pressure on any one of them, but you have a, a higher chance of three or four or five of them working out. And if one doesn't, then those are the breaks. But if the other five do, then that's still a pretty good hit rate. Yeah. Well, first of all, this is like the kind of thing that I hate about MLS, like this, <laughs> this very vague. I mean, you know, it's kind of like this and kind of like that. And you can use some TAM maybe, but not, but also like it's annoying. But yeah, I mean, to the, the basic point that, you know, the more, the more that you have these types of players, the less individual pressure it is on every one of them. And that, that's absolutely true because you're, you're spreading the risk and you're spreading the pressure and, this is, um, well, you mentioned Europe. That's, that's what I think that's a really big difference. We talked about that, I guess on the bike ride, right? We could, uh, or when we got the, we rode, we rode the bikes to hop squad a couple weeks ago about, yeah, just the chance that if you make a miss, you can, it's sure it costs money, but that's all it costs. And that is definitely a unique, um, MLS thing. So I think it'll be really interesting to see how it plays out. Um, and then to see how many clubs take advantage of it too, because one of the reasons that you have all these weird rules um, is to level the playing field, right? So that everybody's spending in a certain bracket of money. But at some point, if you have so many of these, you know, then, then you do, you really do start to get into a position of haves and have nots. And so it'll be interesting to see who, who takes advantage of this, who really benefits from it um, and, and how it plays out in practicality. Yeah. So it, um, a player like Rodney Redis could fit into this, this category for Austin FC. Another point that uh, Paul and Sam made on allocation disorder is, that uh, Pellegrini for Miami would would 
probably fall into this category depending on what the spending limits are. But if that were true, that would open up another designated player spot for Miami, which means if they get Blaze Matuidi on a TAM deal and then have Pellegrini move to like this young money slot, if they brought in another designated player, then that means Miami's going to going to be for real at some point. <laughs> so that would that would be an interesting thing to watch, but I think the goal of this Don Garber has said that he wants MLS to become a a selling league, right? And so if you're giving teams an option to bring in these young players, the goal would be to sell them to Europe for a lot more money than what you paid for them. And I think this is kind of feeding into that. But um, yeah, it's. I think overall it would be a positive. It's spending more money on players, which is what is going to make this league better. Uh, some people would say that by putting these weird limits and weird rules on it, that it's not really moving anything forward. But I, I I'll take it. Like if it's if it's gonna be spending more more money on players, I think it's gonna raise the quality of the league. And to your point about the GMs, I think it rewards the teams with creative and better GMs because every one of these spots has its own, you know, interesting conditions and its own peculiarities. And the the GM that can figure it out and really make the best use of all these things, um, they're they're gonna have a clear advantage for the club. And maybe that's where somewhat you know Austin having. Uh, sporting director that's so familiar with the way that the league works is really going to be an advantage. Yeah, absolutely. And then also if, um, if you're bringing in, like if you're going to be a team that that's going to focus on, on your youth system, this could be a way to maybe bring some of these players into the first team without having to make them a designated player and maybe keep them around for, for a year or two longer than you would have to kind of develop them before you sell them on. So it's, yeah, I think you're right. I think it does open up more ways for a team to be good because as of right, like right now you essentially, the teams that, that spend money on good designated players do well and, and the other ones don't necessarily. So, um, yeah, I, I think anything that kind of makes it just opens up the rules a little bit, makes gives rewards that creativity that you were talking about. And, uh, again, it, it'll it'll be interesting to see what uh, Claudio and Josh do with these new rules as well and, and kind of see how they take advantage of them. All right. Anything else, Jeremiah, before we wrap up? No, I think we're ready to wrap it up. All right. We want to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We'd also like to remind you to visit CapitalCitySoccer.com. Uh, one of the things that they do every month that Troy provides is sort of a countdown to 2021 with the breaking news for the month. So I think just this week they sort of, they published the highlights from September. Um, we also like to remind you to be on the lookout for a listener survey that helps us, gives us input on how we want to move the show forward together in the direction that all of you want. All right. We'll be back next week with more Austin FC news and an interview with Weston Applefeller, the senior director of grounds for Austin FC. Until then I'm Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. Until then, I'm Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. <laughs> Do that again. <laughs> I'm Jeremiah Bentley. Maybe. I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs>